Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Welcome in. This is episode 25 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. Cam Lewis is along with me as always. And the Blue Jays took three out of four from the Baltimore Orioles. I described that on the last podcast, something along the lines of the bare minimum. Like they better have taken three out of four in that series. And they did exactly that. So a, a pretty solid weekend. Nothing too exciting, Coombs. The other, well, we'll get into three up, three down, so I won't go into it too much, but just nice to see him beat the shit out of a bad ball team. I'm not that thrilled about the series result because that Friday game is still incredibly frustrating. Yeah. That, 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 even the, like the huge win on Saturday, 12 4, and the nice little win 5 2 on Sunday mm-hmm. just, just doesn't compensate for what happened on Friday. That was so disappointing. I was really, um, I was really jonesing for a four game sweep and it didn't happen. So I feel let down. Well, let's get into three up, three down here, presented by Twig and Berries. Hit them up, twigandberries.ca. Promo code is Nation15. Gets you 15% off. Uh, great summer clothes. Just great, great, like sitting at the cabin drinking clothes. That, that's my glowing review of Twig and Berries. Um, we'll start with the downs, actually. I know usually we start with the ups when they sweep, but you mentioned it right there. That loss in the series was incredibly frustrating to give up in a four spot in the eighth inning to a really, really bad baseball team. And that's just when you look at the wild card race, man, like that's just another example now of a game that just completely slipped away that could have gotten you just an inch closer. Yeah, we've got we've got like we should keep like a running like tally on these things. I feel like how many games have they given away that they should have won like 10, 12? And I mean, you know, you obviously it kind of balances itself out big picture because you know they come back and win games they shouldn't have won like the uh, the second game of the previous series against baltimore on the saturday where they scored you know six runs in the ninth inning they shouldn't have won that game mm-hmm. so it kind of balances itself out right like they should have won this series friday game they should have lost that other series saturday game blah 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 this and that but still it's the fucking orioles you can't be letting this team that is so objectively bad yeah. be going and teeing off and putting up runs like that that's gross you hate so- to see it yeah, it, it was super annoying. Uh, so that's kind of our first down is just the fact that they blew it. And then I'll just go more in depth for the second down. And it's Ch- Tyler Chatwood just, uh, that was ugly once again. And he put together, what was it? Three straight, like solid outings. Yeah, he had and, been, um, he had been good before that. He was, he, but, but that's what we talked about in the last podcast too. It was like, okay, like Chatwood and Mesa and these guys pitched, you know, I think it was three consecutive games in a row. They, they did two against the Marlins and, 
you know, scoreless frames, but it was like, yeah, these are the Marlins. Like they're probably an even worse hitting team than the Orioles. Like the Orioles at least have some big bats. You know, you have Trey Mancini's a good hitter. Ryan Mountcastle's fine, but the Marlins have nothing. So it was kind of like maybe that nice little stretch by Chatwood slash the back end of the bullpen that isn't Romano was kind of a bit of a mirage. And that's kind of what we saw here on Friday is Chatwood was again, walking fucking everyone. Yeah. And then there was also the, the Charlie Montoyo bizarre decision to with runners on bring in uh, Taylor Saucedo. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of bring in rather than just being like, okay, fuck, like, gonna have to bring in jordan romano here like this is the real save situation right now we're not just gonna save him for the ninth inning situation that might come use him now in the eighth inning when the bad situation is here why are you using tyler Sacedo? what the fuck yeah i that that is frustrating to me because i'm always of the belief that you need to get 27 outs no matter what and the three outs you're going to get in the ninth inning are just as valuable as, or potentially and the three, they're not even quite as valuable as the three outs you needed to get in the eighth inning with runners on. So why would you not have your best guy on the mound for the absolute prime of that game and the part that you needed to get out of? And then like if Romano comes in and gets him out of that jam, either a, you can use him again in the ninth or B then you go to someone who's maybe less experienced yeah. or less reliable in the ninth when they can come in, Clean inning, starting with no one on base. It was it was a really bizarre decision from because what would have happened is yeah because it was so they pulled out Chatwood after giving up a single to Mount Castle and it was first and third and then it was Anthony Santander one of their one of their good guys if you know three good guys he's one of them and it's like that's the exact situation you want Romano because he gets Santander and then say he gets the next guy Hayes as well they're out of the inning and then you know in the ninth you can bring in some flub to face Pat Valica. Um, fucking Cedric Mullins and Pedro Severino. Yeah. Like who cares who faces that when you're up five, two doesn't matter. Anyways, like, I don't know. They, they took three or four. We're just sitting here bitching about Charlie and the bullpen, which is kind of funny, but that was honestly probably the most maddening loss of the season for me. Let's uh, let's move on to the ups then. Let's cheer let's you do it. Let's up. Be positive. Yeah. Okay. Let's be positive it's, here. And it's the really first... hot outside. So I'm just really fucking angry. Man, in Edmonton, we're going to set records this week for the heat. It's going to hit, it could hit 40 degrees here on, on Wednesday. And it's never been higher than I think like 38.2 or 37.9 in Edmonton. So there's going to be like potentially three straight days where it's like record heat wave and I have no AC in my place. I'm dying right now. Oh, I have no AC in my place either. It's got this big honking fan that I now have off because we're recording. So I'm just (laughs) starting to get really sweaty. (laughs) I'm in the exact same boat. Uh, All right. So the ups here, the the first one is the starting pitching. Anthony Kay, um, you know, five hits, two walks, but he racked up eight strikeouts and didn't allow an earned run over five innings in the second game of the series. Manoa goes six strong, doesn't allow an earned run. Uh, you move on to the third game where Ryu was, I mean, he arguably gave them the worst start out of all the starters they had in this series against Baltimore. He gave up four runs through six and two thirds. And then in the series finale, Ross Stripling was good. Again, he gave up two earned over five innings and for a Ross Stripling start, like he's been pitching well lately and that's that's not a bad performance by any means. It was enough for them to get the win. So uh, just really, really solid outings from pretty much every starter they threw out there. Yeah, the, that's kind of the thing is that um, the starting rotations actually really rounded into form. I remember, you know, early on in the year, it was kind of Ray Ryu, Matt's the three lefties. And it was like, those are the only guys you can count on. And there was two open spots that were just a clusterfuck. You had, you know, Tommy Malone going or TJ Zoic going or bullpen days or this and that. But 
Ross Stripling finding himself and Alec Manoa coming up and being pretty good has been honestly such a game changer for the team that now pretty much every time they go through the rotation, there isn't really a weak spot. And I guess that's the one thing we'll see is Steven Matz is coming back now from the COVID list and he's been out for like two weeks. So he's making his, you know, first start in a little while uh, in the Seattle series coming up. So if he continues to be good ish, he's been, you know, a roller coaster ride this year, but he's been, I think largely pretty good. Then, you know, it's a, it's a very good rotation. It you can't complain at all. It really is just the bullpen. That's the problem. Yeah. hundred percent. This team, like, so close to just feeling oh, like right a there. perfect ball club, right? And they just need to figure out that bullpen. Uh, our second up, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., just continuing to rip the cover off the ball. <laughs> His league-leading 26th home run, he hit three home runs in a row in this series. It's it's just wild what he continues to do, and he needs to be an up once again because the guy just hit three home runs in a four-game series. He's always an up. I think <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we, we should honestly, we should, we should start keeping track of how often we put him in the up category. Yeah. Cause it's, it's shocking when we don't have him in, as one of the ups. Yeah. hundred percent. And this, this race here for the home run race with Tatis and Otani at 25 and Vladi at 26. I, I was obviously too young for, for the race between Sosa and Maguire, but I watched the 30 for 30 on it last summer. Like maybe this could be that, right? where we're heading down the stretch and Vladdy has like a two home run game and Tatis is doing the same thing on the same night. And then the next night, Otani hits a couple out. Like this has the potential to be like a really classic home run race end of the year. Something we remember for a really, really long time. Oh yeah. And then you also have, you know, Kyle Schwarber has 22 home runs now and he hit like 14 home runs in like 16 games or something fucked like that. Like yeah. uh, Ronald Acuna is right there in the mix 21, you know, there's, Tons of guys smashing dingers right now, but yeah, this is going to be a sick race. I don't, I'm kind of, um, I'm getting a little skeptical as to whether Vlad will win MVP because mm-hmm, of too. Otani. He's been so good. And he's also a fucking pitcher, which is kind of hilarious. Every time you see him at a home run, you're like, Oh yeah, this guy's also like a number one, two starter. <laughs> just so funny. It Imagine, just imagine the reaction here. If we end up getting a scenario where Vlad wins the triple crown, but is potentially not the MVP. And we could very well be facing that because he's leading the American league with 26 home runs. He's leading the American, or sorry, he's just behind Michael Brantley in batting average. He's 0.007 behind Brantley in batting average. And in RBI, he's two up on Raphael Devers now. So he's right there. Like the triple crown is legitimately within reach as we head into the all-star or get closer to the all-star break. But if Otani's even close to him in the offensive numbers, yeah. the pitching alone with Otani and the value he brings there, that would almost have to make him the MVP. It's it's going to be a fascinating debate to have later in the year down the stretch. It is, yeah. I mean, even if you take away Otani's offense, he's still you know eleven starts deep with a two five eight ERA, striking out twelve point four guys per nine innings. Like that's like the Cy Young consideration. That yeah. that se- that season alone, if the Angels weren't dog shit. Like if he does that for the whole year, that's the kind of pitcher season that gets you finishing like seventh and MVP voting. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. So then you add the fact that he's going to hit 50 fucking dingers on top of that. And it's like, Oh man, like that's there, a, something he, I would imagine. I don't think I even need to check this. Cause I'd imagine it's a fact, but in the design, in the DH era, Otani would likely be the first ever player to win like a Cy Young and a silver slugger. Right. Because he very well could win a silver slugger and also win a Cy Young in the American League. Yeah, I would I would assume so. Yeah, that who would, else would have ever done that? No, there's no way. There's no way anyone's done that in the American League. No way. No, there's no way. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, let's move on to uh, our third up here. And I, I'm giving this one to Reese McGuire, who, again, continues to hit well. You go back through the series he just had against the Baltimore Orioles. And every game, he scooped up a hit, I believe. And uh, two hits in the finale. Oh, sorry, in the, in the third game, he went 0 for 3. Um, but 1 for 4 in the second game. And in the series opener, he went 3 for 4. He's now got his average on the year up to 321. And his career, his career average is now up to 270 as well um, in, in 253 career at-bats. Danny Jansen probably doesn't have a spot when he comes back, hey? Like, you can't that's, take Reese McGuire out of the lineup. Yeah, that's the challenge. It's like, where do you put all these guys? Like, you know, Riley Adams has been pretty bad. So he goes to AAA. Sure, fair enough. Uh, Gabe Moreno is in AA already. He's too good for that level. Um, yeah. Alejandro Kirk's going to be eligible to come back from the uh, 60-day injured list on July the 1st. And Danny Jansen shouldn't be gone for that much longer. And Maguire's, you know, having the best stretch of his career right now. And on top of that, he's already, you know, a, a, a good defensive catcher. And if they want to send him down, he's going to have to go through waivers again. And I'm pretty confident he's not going to clear through again this time, just given the way he's going. Like, you know, there's enough teams out there that have a terrible backup catcher and they're like, fuck it, this guy's been hot. We'll take a flyer on him. He's good defensively. So I don't know what you do. I mean, do you put Alejandro Kirk in AAA and give him a bunch of time to come back and just have him and Riley Adams kind of do a platoon there, but that's not ideal because then one of them's not playing. Do you put Jansen down in AAA? He's, you know, he, he knows the pitching staff. Well, he's a good defensive catcher at the very least he calls good games. Like, do you, I, I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> it's a difficult thing. And I mean, I would imagine the solution as we're going to talk about kind of soon here is someone's going to have to get traded. Yeah. Something's some got to give at some point here. Um, and, and whether like you could argue they need to move two catchers right now because yeah. you have Jansen McGuire and then you'd have Adams and Kirk and then you have Mourinho down like pretty much everyone in the minors at that point would be playing a step below where they should be. You could argue except for Adams. So if you even if you were to move on, like in some weird hypothetical, you move on from both. Let's say it's Jansen and Adams. You can still have a situation where it's Kirk and McGuire at the majors, Mourinho and AAA, and like everything still fits good. And you could still argue they have fine depth at that position if yeah. you were to trade away both Jansen and Adams. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which way they ultimately end up going here. And uh, that's going to conclude three up, three down, although we should give an honorable mention to Kevin Biggio, who's been hitting the ball very well uh, after his stint on the IL. And he had a big, big hit in that series finale where he pretty much just he did. Golf, he golfed it. Like it was about to hit the dirt. It felt like, and he managed to smack it all the way to the fence. I don't know what kind of defense the Orioles were playing and how that managed <laughs> to happen. Um, it was, that was like super bizarre. Cause he hit it pretty much straight up in the air and it looked like the Orioles outfielders were playing like where a Rover would play in, in mixed slow pitch leagues. Like they were standing like right behind the infield and it managed to get over their heads. But Biggio did play very well. He, since coming back from the injured list, 15 games. So he was activated on June the 11th. He has 14 hits in 48 at-bats. Two of those are doubles. Or sorry, four of those are doubles. Three of those are dingers. And he has 10 strikeouts and 10 walks. So that's really good. Because if this guy, if this guy can hit, you know, anywhere near what he did in his, you know, first two seasons when everybody thought he was the shit, then that's a huge addition, like another huge addition to an already ridiculously good lineup. And he, and he's a lefty bat as well, which is super that important so badly. For, the, for the balance of the lineup. They desperately need Biggio to keep this up. 
Um, yeah, because if you have the lefty bat and Biggio going at the bottom and someone mm-hmm. like Reese McGuire hitting over 300, there you're at the <laughs> point now where there's like nothing nothing wrong with your lineup. Um, but yeah. that's three up, three down, presented by twigandberries.ca. Free shipping in Canada on orders over $75. Check out their latest collection. Now, um, you mentioned or you hinted at the idea of talking about trades a little bit. And there was a really interesting article in The Athletic. Uh, it was Caitlin McGrath and Jim Bowden who teamed up for it. And basically, Caitlin McGrath was throwing out trade proposals and Jim Bowden was kind of ranking them. So uh, one of them had the Jays getting Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates in exchange for Alejandro Kirk. Uh, one of them was right-hander John Gray from the Rockies with a package that involved Smith or Kevin Smith, Anthony Kay, and another prospect in there. Um, there was another one that just had the Marlins sending them a couple of relievers in a deal for Riley Adams. The, uh, the real big one, though, and actually there was two big ones here, and Jim Bowden both gave them a stamp of approval. Jose Barrios for Nate Pearson was one of the big Aww. ones. And, and let's start with that because that's one that would, I mean, uh, you're getting a legitimate starter in exchange for a prospect. That, yeah, that's it's something kind of, that yeah. it's interesting. It's, it's the mystery boat situation, right? It's that what is the fucking family guy episode yeah. where it's like, you know, you want the box, you want the boat, the box could be the boat. The boat already is the boat. Barrios is good and the twins suck. So it makes a lot of sense for the twins to move on. I mean, Barrios is under control. He's signed for next season, but given where the twins are at right now, like, are you going to be competitive next year? Or you should, you just, you know, fire some stuff off and, you know, go into that rebuild a little bit early. Like, I don't really know. I don't, pay too much attention to the Minnesota twins. I don't think many people do. It's hard to say exactly what they'll do, but Barrios again is quite good. 15 starts this year, 341 ERA, good, you know, peripheral numbers, striking out nine, 9.6 per nine, walking 2.3 per nine. He'd be, you mean, you could make the argument that if he came in, he'd be the Blue Jays best starter. I don't know. Is he better than Robbie Ray? Who's currently the race? Oh, easy. It's a, it's a tight one. So it's Ray easy. number one, Barrios number two, uh, Stripling number three, Ryu number four. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the, the thing with Barrios is you get a year and a half of this guy. So he makes your rotation good this year and he makes your rotation good next year. The only skepticism that I have with this is that there is a chance that there isn't a season next year because of the, um, the, CBA, yeah. Yeah, the, the CBA set to expire at the end of the year, uh, the players and the owners seem to be very, very far off. And there seems to be a tremendous amount of beef, so many different problems. There's a little bit of worry that I don't know, like MLB hasn't had a full season strike. Like it's not the NHL where, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like the NHL loses a season like once every six years, but there is a little bit of skepticism there. Like, okay, what if there's no season in 2021 or 2022, sorry. And then the Jays have gone all in on this guy and they've given up Nate Pierce and they get like, eight starts at Barrios and they don't even make the wild card this year. I mean, that's a, that's a huge if, and I know that's, yeah. that's maybe very skeptical, but it's something to think about. Yeah. I'm not sure if you can fully operate like that. Like if there's a deal that you think makes your team better, you, you jump on it and you do it. And with Barrios, like you could also always extend him afterwards, right? Like there, there's nothing saying that you have to let him walk in free agency. And, so qualify that as well. and yeah, you could qualify him as well. So I, I still don't love the idea of giving up on Nate Pearson, especially when there are other trade targets to be had, as they outlined in the article that could help this team. And if you go out and get a starter, which again, isn't really their problem right now, but if you no. go and get a starter without giving up Pearson, I'm still going to keep going back to the idea of bringing him up and using him out of the bullpen this season. It's not like it would screw over his future development 
If anything, it might give him more confidence at the major league level than heading into the offseason. He can get back to working on being a starter again. But I, I, I still I'm real hesitant to give up on, on a guy like Pearson. It's it seems almost inevitable at this point that Pearson will come up and be a reliever, just given the fact. So he's dealing with a, another hip injury. That's the thing that mm-hmm. ultimately derailed his spring training and has derailed his season, pushed everything back. So if he misses a decent amount of time with this injury, say he's out for a month again, like he was in spring, then there's no way there's going to be time for them to ramp him all the way back up. And if that's the case and he's only a reliever, then you may as well just have him on the big league team as a reliever. So I I do still think Nate Pearson will make an impact this year, but I don't think I'm as hesitant as you are to trade him because I think this Jays team right now really is one to lean in on because, you know, you have a lot of things working right now. Like, Kinjin Ryu might continue to decline and not be very good in the final two years of his contract. Um, Semyon and Ray, there's a good chance maybe both of them are gone next year. This could be the best season of Vlad Jr.'s career. It could be. You never know. Um, He's not going to be – him and Bo are not going to be dirt cheap like they are right now forever. So it is a fantastic chance for them to win right now. So, I mean, Nate Pearson, there's a lot wrong with him. Throws really hard, but can't throw fucking strikes. And it seems like there's some, you know, major psychological incompetence issues there. And we've seen so many pitchers not work out. You know, it's Kyle Drayback, like Aaron Sanchez, even like so many things went wrong with that guy. And it's like, I wouldn't say that Nate Pearson's untouchable for me at this point. Let's move on to another proposal that was in here. And it was with the Pirates, righty reliever Richard Rodriguez and first baseman Colin Moran for catcher Alejandro Kirk and Nick Alger. I think I'm saying that right. Um, I, If I'm going to give up a big, big piece like Alejandro Kirk, I think I would prefer that it would be in a deal for a controllable starter and, yeah. and maybe not just a bullpen arm. I, I think a bullpen arm is, I mean, easy for us to say right now, but like a bullpen <laughs> arm should be a little bit easier to acquire than that. Um, I, I just, I'm not sure if I like the idea of giving up Kirk in a deal for just a reliever, but at the same time, Rodriguez is affordable. He's a damn good reliever and he's under team control for a few more years. He's really good. Yeah. This is a tough one because relievers are relievers. Like they're volatile, but this guy's been one of the better relievers in baseball for, you know, the past few years, like with the pirates for four years now, two, eight, two ERA over 188 innings, striking out 10.1 per nine, only 2.4 walks per nine. And I mean, his contract's pretty fantastic too right like he's making 1.7 mil this year and then he can go into arbitration i mean he's obviously going to get a pretty significant raise after that but you know he's not eligible for free agency until 2024 so that's after the 2023 season so you'd get this year and two more years after that but i don't know uh, like i don't know like the cleveland paid a big price to acquire andrew miller that year right and <laughs> it was a pretty big game changer for him richard rodriguez is not andrew miller he's not pitching two innings or two and two thirds innings in the middle of a game, but this is something the Jays need. And if there is a position to sell from it's catcher and Kirk's good, but Mourinho is probably better. So yeah, that's a good point. You're not, you're not even giving up your best prospect at the position to to make that deal happen. Um, Let's go to the last one here. And, And this one gave me a real good chuckle, but it's the Rangers trading outfielder, Joey Gallo, Righty starter Kyle Gibson and righty reliever Ian Kennedy. So it's a fucking huge package coming That's back to the Jays. Like Joey Gallo jumps off the page and Kyle Gibson is really, really good as well. Um, like Kyle Gibson is 5-0 and and 14 starts with a 2.17 ERA. Like he's legit. The Jays in this deal would be given up Kevin Biggio, Randall Grichuk, Grichuk, 
Main fielder Otto Lopez, right-handed pitcher Adam Klofenstein, and right-hander Elvis Luciano. Um, that's a huge package. Like Biggio is the big piece that really makes you go like, whoa. And then Gritchuk and three prospects as well. It's a big deal. Do you think there's a chance we see a big splash kind of like this where they go get like a big bat and they get a big starter and a reliever all at once? I mean, that'd be exciting. It would be cool. This solves all the problems. Like imagine putting Joey Gallo's bat in the middle of the lineup. Like that'd be sick. Um, You know, adding Kyle Gibson again, he'd be their number one starter. Then, and then their rotation's insane. You have, you know, Gibson, Ray, Ryu, Stripling's been good. Manoa, Matt's, who knows? Like that, that bumps somebody to the bullpen, probably Manoa, that would make sense. And then Ian Kennedy is a pretty good reliever. I mean, that solves all your problems, but fuck, that's a lot to give up. Like Grichuk or Grichuk's been good this year. He's, 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 you know, he's up and down. He has his terrible stretches and BGO, as we just said, is heating up and he's, you know, well-liked and respected, you know, kind of he's young, but he's, he's a part of the he's, core. He's, yeah, he's he one is. of the, he's one of the, he's, he's close with the group, right? He is. He's a, he's a veteran on the team. He's a leader. The guys on the team like him, um, you know, he might not be, a fantastic player. He might just be, you know, your 10th guy, but that's fine. Like he's, he's, he, he's, he's a positive to have, I think. And then Otto Lopez, he's killing it in double A. He's quite young. Kloppenstein, you know, a high draft pick, lots of talent there. And Luciano, they did a lot. They seemed to really like that guy. Cause they did a lot of like gymnastics to keep him on their roster when they got him into rule five, when he was like 13 years old. So I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't see this front office making that kind of trade. They've yeah. never done anything remotely close to this. Like, what's the biggest trade they've made so far? Uh, uh, what do they do back in? I'm trying. They've to done. Back. I'm just trying to think. Like, because in 2016, it was all smaller deals, right? Like, yeah. really, Benoit. Um, EJ Upton, and then you know, uh, listen, the bigger offseason deals were getting like Gridchuk. Yeah. Or, you know, an in-season deal getting stripling. Like, <laughs> that's what they do. They, they trade, you know, two guys for one guy. And then you, you never really see them make these huge deals. But, you know, it, it would be kind of out of left field. It would be a shock. But you never know. Like, this solves all the problems. Uh, they went on to outline some other potential st- targets for uh, starters. Uh, they had Max Scherzer in the article, Michael Pineda, and Matthew Boyd from Detroit. And Bowden actually went on to say that Boyd is a serious trade target for Toronto already. That's a name I could get behind acquiring, and he wouldn't cost you nearly as much as Barrios would. Uh, Max Scherzer, Bowden said he wouldn't be surprised if the Nats stay in the race and hold on to Scherzer. And he did say that Pineda is probably more likely than Barrios if the Jays are dealing with the Twins. Um, Matthew Boyd would be interesting to me. I mean, any, any arm at this point is honestly pretty interesting to me. That would be really funny if you know, like what, six years yeah. later that so, the guy that chase can't to solidify the rotation is the guy they traded away to solidify the rotation. <laughs> That's just such a funny full yeah. circle. Scherzer's the dream. Obviously we've talked about that a million times. We've been talking about this for months, but Scherzer's got 10, five rights, been in the league for 10 years. He's been on the Nats for five years or plus five years. So he can veto any trade. And Scott Boris said uh, last week that Scherzer wouldn't accept a trade <clears throat> to a team unless there was an extension in place. So he's using his uh, status as a, you know, obviously the best rental uh, starting pitcher on the market to try and leverage himself into a new contract, which is kind of a sticky challenge for the Jays. Like he's old. So do you want to be giving I mean, Scherzer like a three, four year deal? I don't know. 
especially with a pitcher. Like, you know, I mean, Justin Verlander did what he did with Houston when we all kind of thought his career was definitely on the downslope. But there is a ton of, yeah, and then he got hurt. But there is a ton of risk in giving Max Scherzer like a big extension. I know it wouldn't be like a long one, but you'd have to throw some serious cash at him. And he has been good this year, but I agree with you. I think there there is a lot of risks there if you have to sign him. Uh, Some really interesting trade targets, and we're probably going to be talking about this every episode for the next silly season. Love it. Yeah, it's that time. I absolutely love it. Uh, Switching gears a little bit here. The New York Yankees were swept this week, and that allowed the Toronto Blue Jays to jump them in the standings. And uh, I mean, fuck, things are going bad in New York. And we kind of thought that they were just a lock to win this AL East. And now, I mean, in all likelihood, they're not going to do anything at the deadline. They're probably pretty close to toast. Considering where their expectations are. I know they're right next to the Jays. So like that is a little hypocritical of me to say like, oh, they're toast. But like, it's just been going so bad in so many different ways. Like Garrett Cole is getting lit up. It seems like every start now. Yeah. The difference between the Jays and the Yankees is, I mean, they're in the, they're in the exact same spot, right? Like they're Jays are like, they've now jumped them in the standings to half game lead, whatever. It doesn't mean anything, but the thing with the Yankees is it's like, if this hasn't turned around yet, when will it turn around and why? Mm -hmm. Like the Jays, we know why they're bad. They're, you know, they have a plus 60, 70, whatever it is, run differential. And they're losing games because they have one good reliever. The Yankees have very good relievers, Chapman and, you know, Chad Green and Luis Sessa and this Loiza guy. And then, you know, they're all really good. And the pitching has just been exactly what we'd expect it to be like. And now Garrett Cole is falling off a cliff because he doesn't have his sticky stuff. And the lineup has just been mediocre. Like, who do we expect to bounce back here? Um, you know, DJ LeMay, who could be a bit better, I guess. Gio Urshela could maybe be a bit better. Um, it's just a whole bunch of guys that are just mm. kind of bleh. Like the lineup's not that strong. It is what it is. Like I don't expect the Yankees to, I mean, I'm kind of digging my own grave here with a potential old takes exposed, but yeah. the Yankees just, they just look like a soulless, nothing team They do with like, there's just no energy. The lineup is so limp dick. And then if Garrett Cole is going to collapse and that's actually going to be a thing, then they are fucked. There's, that's the, you know, the, that's the bright spot of the team really is this very good starter. But <laughs> if he's not any good, then they're going to all the way down. So I don't think the Yankees are going to bounce back. And that's a, that's a nice feeling. That feels good. Looking at the American League East standings, you got Houston, Boston, and the White Sox as your division leaders. Tampa and Oakland are currently holding the two wildcard spots, uh, half game separating those two teams. Then Cleveland is three back. Toronto is five back. Seattle's five and a half back. And so are the Yankees. Um, just quickly here, there are only three teams in the majors who are outside of a playoff spot with a positive run differential. Uh, two of them are in the National League. It's the Cubs at plus 17. Miami at plus 17. And then you have the Jays at plus 65. <laughs> They've been like, that's why it's so fucked up. Cause they're losing all these close, close games. And then just blowing teams out the next night. It seems, uh, but they're going to go on now, take on a Mariners team three against Seattle. The games are in Buffalo. Uh, this Seattle team has been playing well as of late. They swept the Rays not too long ago. They just took two out of the three in their series against the Chicago White Sox, like Toronto, they're seven and three in their last 10 games. But the thing I find hilarious here, Coombsy, is that, you know, Seattle's only half a game back of them. Toronto's run differentials plus 65. Like I said, Seattle's is minus 43. There's like a hundred runs separating these two teams over the course of 77 games. That's insane. Yeah. These two teams are, it's, it's hilarious. It's like the, the Yankees thing I just brought up. It's like, Mm-hmm. I think the Jays are better than the Yankees, but 
you know, they're right there in terms of run and in terms of record, but then, you know, Seattle and Toronto are again, right there in terms of record, but there is no comparable between these two teams. Like there, there, there's like a hundred runs difference here in terms of differential and Seattle's not good. They're just, you know, they're clunking their way to a 41 and 38 record thus far. There isn't much good about this team. Like look at their lineup. Their highest OPS is Mitch Hanniger at 789. Yeah. And then, you know, they're starting pitching's okay. They, uh, UC Kikuchi's a solid pitcher. This Chris Flexen they found, Lord knows where, working at a Costco or something in the offseason. Like, I don't know who that is. Um, he's got a 387 ERA. He's been fine. And then after that, it's like, even looking at their bullpen, their closer has a 615 ERA. Like, there's, there's not much good about this team at all. And it's just funny to see a team with this hilarious negative run differential have virtually the exact same record as the fucking Jays. And it's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Like you, you talked about their lineup. Like there really isn't that much going on here. They have Mitch Hanniger who has 17 bombs. Kyle Seeger has 13. Those are their only two players with double digit home run totals this year. The Jays on the other hand have five of them. So the, they should win this series, but also like, Seattle's been finding ways to win ball games, you know, on a somewhat consistent basis here. So it's going to be a really, really fascinating series. Uh, the Jays, in terms of pitching, are going to go with Robbie Ray in the opener. Steven Matz will make his return to the mound in game two, and Hunjin Ryu is going in game three. The Matz start is the one I kind of have circled is really interesting because, I mean, he, he was struggling a little bit there before he got COVID, and now you kind of wonder with that time off, Will it spark him? Will he be rested? Will he be the Steven Matz we saw in his first couple starts? Or is he maybe lost some of the magic? Yeah, it's also another interesting thing is we're back to that situation where the Jays are going to throw out three consecutive lefties. Yeah. So, I mean, at least it's against the Mariners and it's like, you know, there aren't many big bats in this lineup. It's not like they're the Yankees loaded up with like huge righty bats. So it should be fine, but it's not ideal. It is, Matz is quite an X factor though. It is interesting to see if he like how he bounces back and how good he is because if the Jays do acquire another starting pitcher at the trade deadline, then if Matt isn't pitching well, then he's, you know, someone maybe you throw into a bullpen role that pitches multiple innings or actually if he is bad, then that kind of sparks you to consider trading for a different starter. If Matt's is good, then you probably don't have to and you just focus on acquiring relievers. So yeah, yeah Matt's is a pretty, he's a bit of a conundrum. He's a uh, totally up in the air. He's been good. He's been bad. He's been all over the grid. He's been off for two weeks now. Who knows what to expect? Let's hope he's good. You mentioned uh, three straight lefties coming out for the Blue Jays. In the last 30 days against left-handed pitching, the Mariners are 15th in the majors in OPS. So pretty much right in the middle of things. Uh, The Mariners are going with Chris Flexen in the first game of the series. Uh, Justice Sheffield in game two, and he's been struggling a little bit here. 5.69 ERA and a 5-7 and record on the season and then Kikuchi gets game three of the set. So a couple of interesting arms going here for Seattle. But again, like I've aside from the, I mean, even in the Matt start, the fat, fact that he gets to go up against Justice Sheffield, like I give the Jays the starting pitching advantage in each of these games, their lineup is clearly better. They, they should win two out of these three. I'm pretty confident in saying that, but I've been wrong. They, should, they really should, but Tampa shouldn't have been swept in a four game series. Chicago should have beaten them. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The White Sox shouldn't have lost two or three to Seattle. I don't know what the fuck's going on with the Mariners, but I don't like it. And they should win two out of three, but I'm a little nervous. We had this, we had this whole, whole uh, part of the schedule circled in the calendar for months. And now we're facing Seattle and they're weirdly hot. And it's not ideal. Don't like to see that. 
Hopefully the Jays crack the code this week. Game one goes Tuesday, then it's Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, this weekend for the Blue Jays. I just closed my tab that had the schedule, so excuse me while my internet loads it up once again. Uh, Tampa again after that. Yeah, three against Tampa, three against the Orioles, three against Tampa, and then it's all-star break time. So we'll have a couple more episodes before the all-star break. Get out there and vote for Vladdy, not that he needs your help um, because he's already running away with the all-star vote. He'll be a starter in all likelihood. Um, but an interesting stretch here for the Jays three against the Mariners and nine straight against the American league East. It'll be an interesting run here heading into the all-star break. And we'll be with you after every series. Coombsy, you enjoy this set against the M's and we will talk again before the weekend. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to blue Jays nation radio. Don't forget to like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.